Hey friends, you're listening to a special bonus episode of At Home the Podcast with Walkie MC. What you're about to hear is a message given by our friend Kelly Rassler as she speaks to our mothers of tots to teens, or mots as they like to be called. And even though this message is given to a group of moms, it's definitely a message for all of us. We so appreciate Kelly's willingness to share her story and above all, point to the power of Jesus in the most difficult of life circumstances. So thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll now turn it over to guest speaker, Kelly Rassler. Hi, everybody. I came straight from work. I do not dress like this just out in public for fun, so <laughs> I didn't even have time to take the booties off. So, um, But I had to be here this morning um, to introduce one of my best friends, Kelly Rassler. And um, Kelly's spoken here before. You guys loved um, hearing her from her before. And last time Kelly was here, she had gone through a lot of really hard things. Um, she had experienced pregnancy loss. Um, she had a husband with a, a rare form of cancer, a leukemia that was chronic. That meant that they had to deal with medications and labs and doctor's appointments and uncertainty. Um, she had a child unresponsive that she found blue that she had to stimulate to get him to breathe. Um, she had a bad car accident, so she had a lot of stuff that um, God had really used in her life to draw her closer to him and um, just uh, work through. Um, but then on January 26, 2019, the worst happened, and her husband Galen passed away of a massive heart attack while on a couple's getaway weekend. There's some things in life where you remember exactly where you are at. And this is one of those things. I was at work heading into the bathroom when I saw a text from a friend that said, oh my gosh, did you see Kelly's Voxer? What is happening? What, what's going on? And I opened Voxer and saw, pray for me, Galen died. <laughs> what? What? Um, it was not expected. His cancer was not in a state at that point that we thought, you know, that things were bad. So completely out of the blue, this heart attack. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I went into the break room and I just, I just called Kelly. She was bawling. She was on her way home to tell her four kids that their daddy was not coming home. I was bawling. And that evening I went over to her house and it was cold and she was outside on the ground sobbing. And the thing that she kept saying over and over again is, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And not just emotionally and spiritually, what am I going to do? But practically, as a mom, financially, what am I going to do? She's a stay-at-home mom. She has four young kids. And I saw the body of Christ just answer that question in miraculous, amazing, practical ways. The way that believers came around her and just above and beyond what I could have ever imagined. It was, it was a miracle, truly. Um, but the pain was debilitating. She couldn't eat. She couldn't parent. Her friends and family moved in. She wanted to die. And I'm sharing this with her blessing because, number one, sometimes we tend to gloss over the hard parts 
to get to the less uncomfortable story down the road. And we need to know that when we are in the pit of despair, that there are others who have lived there and that there is hope. And number two, what God has brought her through, who she is now, the hope she has, it's only God. I talk to her every day before Galen passed away, and we still talk frequently now. And I knew who she was then. She was a strong believer, loved the Lord. But who she is now is it's God. I'm the, the faith, the um, love that she has, the love she has for his word, um, she is a different Kelly. God has worked in mighty ways. But she'll be quick to say that the trauma and grief is far from over. There might be a good day and then a terrible day. She is fully transparent with all of it. She's transparent with her friends. She's transparent on Facebook. Anyone that follows her knows that it's beautiful and heartbreaking and real and honest and glorifying to the Lord. And along with that transparency comes a little warning. Um, when Kelly is in the d depths of grief, she needs the full amount of words in the English language to express her grief. <laughs> so if you hear a word or two that surprises you today, know that that is Kelly being real and that her hope is firmly in Jesus. And she can speak into my life in a way that other people can't um, because of that realness and authentic authenticity in what she has lived. Um, the last 18 months of my life have been really, really hard. And this is not about me, but we brought home a medically fragile foster child three days after Galen passed away. And she can say things to me and encourage me in ways that other people can't because she has walked through pain and grief and hardship and she has been authentic and she lives it. Um, so she's one of the safest people I know. And um, with that, uh, also people have said some pretty hard things for her the last, uh, especially this year. And so if you talk to her after, just this is mama bear friend style, be kind and loving and, and uh, she doesn't need advice or um, platitudes, but um, I'm just so thankful for her love, for her wisdom, for her faith. I know you guys are going to really enjoy hearing from her today. So love you, Kelly, and let's pray. Lord. We just come to you today and invite your spirit here in this room. I just know that you walk so closely with Kelly, Lord, and I just ask that your spirit would just speak through her, that she would say exactly what you want her to say, that what she says would be glorifying to you and that would bless the ladies here, that we would just hear what you want to say to us through Kelly today. I know that a lot of times when Kelly shares her story, it comes with um, spiritual attacks, and so I pray against the enemy today. I ask for your protection and your provision. I thank you for all the ways that you have been just above and beyond generous and just faithful and just so good to Kelly. And I just ask that you would be near her today as she shares from her heart. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, thank you, Amber. I love you. Um, 
I have so much respect for you, and um, you guys have the privilege of, of having Amber in your group, and she is one of those that you need to get to know. And um, she has taught me a lot. She's sitting here saying that, like, I get to speak into her. She speaks into me. And um, I am thankful for friends like Amber. So um, I know she doesn't love getting up in front of people, and, and, uh, but she did it for me. So, hey, <laughs> what a friend. Yeah, I'm worth it. Oh, man, that's a lot of pressure. All right. Well, um, I have thought so much about this message and what I want to share with you today. And um, I just want to set the tone with, with two passages of Scripture. And these are ones that I have held on to the last 20 months. So um, my husband Galen died January 26, 2020. So that was seven weeks before COVID hit and turned all of our lives upside down. And so um, the 26th is just a few days away. And so I'm just short of 20 months. I'm not at two years. Um, I'm just over a year and a half. Um, but one of the verses that I have clung on to, and I would encourage you to write down because um, this is probably a good one. Um, well, I mean the whole Bible. So, you know, write, write the whole Bible down, okay? <laughs> Especially the ones in Leviticus and Numbers. Really good to quote. All right. So, Revelation 12:11, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You guys... The Kelly version of that is when you want to punch Satan in the face, you remind him of who died on the cross and you share what he's done for you. And so this morning I'm putting on my boxing gloves and I'm, I'm going to take a swing at the enemy. And that's the intent of my message today. Because I have been robbed of so much and God has given me a testimony. I'm going to glorify God. Satan cannot rob my life any longer. So maybe that's a verse you need to hold on to. Okay, we overcome because of what Christ has done on the cross. And he allows us to take a big swing at the enemy. You know, and I, I told people throughout this last year and a half, I said, you know, the cool part is, like, God's giving me the chance to swing at him, and he's putting the force of God behind it. Like, yeah, like, come on now. Like, okay, sorry, I like football in my house, so... Um, I get excited. Maybe maybe not everyone does. But I, you know, when I know what I've had robbed from me, I, I like knowing that I can punch Satan in the face. So the other verse I want to read is Isaiah 61. And I'm sure that you've been acquainted with some of it, but I'm going to read the whole passage of Scripture. It's called the year of the Lord's favor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness, darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, instead uh, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, and they will renew the ruined cities that they have been devastated for generations. 
Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed the wealth... your, you will feed on the wealth of nations, and in the re- riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land. And everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge and they are people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up, and in a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations. I thought it was funny that I was asked to talk about winter. I hate winter. Like, like anybody who knows me, like, I don't just hate what, like, I loathe winter. And so, uh, Amber's over there, yeah, I've heard it for years, right? So... <laughs> Um, I do not enjoy it, and so I'm supposed to talk about winter today, not the actual snow falling, but the seasons of winter, and um, suffering, hardship, you know, times when things are not blooming, and I love what Isaiah talks about. It's like we, we like spring because those, those seeds begin to sprout, but we have to have a season of winter, a season of rest, a season of resting in who God is, and so, um, you know, today talking about suffering is I feel like I also need to give a, another little intro to that is um, suffering is not an easy topic to talk about in our world or in our country specifically. I heard a quote from a podcast a couple weeks ago and I thought it was so good and I've been just really uh, pondering it for a while and it says the western culture is one of the most inept, ill-equipped, and anemic civilizations to deal with death and suffering. Now, some of you in here are sitting here and saying, I feel seen. And I know that some of you are sitting in here and you are terrified, absolutely terrified of the the topic of suffering. Suffering is not fun. It is not joyful. It is not great. Um, It is hard. But it is in our world. And we live in a culture that works so hard to push out suffering, that works so hard to say that we don't suffer. Um, and so I just want to recognize in a room this big, I'm sure some of you have felt alone. I'm sure some of you have felt unseen in your pain. And I'm sorry for that. And so what I'm here to say is that uh, I feel like I'm making a case for suffering, a case for winter, which I'm like, wouldn't God have me do that? Like, (laughs) I don't really like this, you know? Um, But we need suffering, and suffering is a part of this world, and I need you to understand that there's different kinds of suffering. And so not all suffering is the same. We suffer um, sometimes because of the consequences of our sin. Sometimes we suffer because we have chosen to follow Christ and we are going to be persecuted specifically because we call Christ our Lord. And then lastly, sometimes we suffer simply because we live in a sin-filled world and stuff happens and you're human. 
And I think sometimes we need to know the, the differences between those, through, um, between those three because sometimes we feel like God is a moral teacher and he's just sending us suffering so he can, um, you know, refine us. And um, I just, I need you to understand that, that that's not the way God is, even though that's what I asked him many, many times. So um, I just, uh, I need you to hold the tension with me because I know there's also some of you in here who probably haven't had maybe some hard times in your life and maybe you are scared out of your mind by the things I'm sharing because I am literally your worst nightmare. I am, right? I am what you don't want to have happen. And I am also a reminder that I am no guarantee that what has happened to me won't happen to you. And I understand because I've been in your seats. I heard those missionaries to Africa, and I was like, Lord, I think it's so great that they're serving Africa, but I do not want to go. <laughs> like, like, I want to go to Hawaii. Like, I will serve there, you know. But, like, I, I wanted to put limits on, on what I was willing to do. And so I realize that I am hard for you. I realize I am a challenge for you. I realize when you look at me, you are facing a fear you don't even want to entertain in your, in your mind. But I'm asking you for the next, hopefully, only 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to try to be good. Um, I need you to hold this tension with me. Your sisters and your friends who've gone through hard times, they need you to be in this place because we, we have a hope. And so I just pray that you can stay in this journey with me. It may be hard. There may be things come out of you that you're just like, I haven't thought about that for a long time. I'm asking for you not to avoid it, but to hold it. Hold that tension. Okay? All right. Well, that being said, winter's coming, right? Yesterday was the first day of fall, and I know some of you were happy. I was, like, miserable. <laughs> I was, like, I mean, because everybody's, like, fall. I'm, like, fall? I was just sitting at my table. Only actually lasts about five days of fall, and then it's mostly rainy and cold. And y'all are, like, it's my favorite season. No, no, the idea of fall. That's what we decided. We like the idea of fall. Sure, I like the idea of fall, too. I like the idea of a lot of things. Okay, but winter's coming. And um, I have learned, I'm 36, I have learned that I have to mentally prepare for winter. You may think I'm a child, whatever, that's fine. But um, I, I have to take antidepressants. I've, before Galen passed away, I've had to take antidepressants uh, during the winter. I don't do well with cloudy skies. Um, like, it's not just like, oh, it's a bad day. I'm like, I hate it. I'm like under a blanket. I'll see you in three months, okay? I, I do not function well. So uh, as I'm preparing for winter, because as much as I don't want it to come, it's coming, right? Like, has it come for the last however many years since the existence of creation, right? It's coming, right? And as much as I try and hold it off, uh, well, I can do that, but it's still coming. And so what am I doing? I called my doctor yesterday about getting that prescription filled. I am mentally preparing what are the things, what are little trips I can do with the kids over the next couple months that can break up the winter months because I know what I need to make it through. And I am going to have to be... Um, living on some reserves uh, during that time. And so for you, in the season of winter, um, we, we live off reserves. There's nothing for us to scavenge outside, right? I mean, the birds get it all. So <laughs> there's nothing. And so um, I want to say a couple things. If you are not currently in a season of suffering, 
you are coming out of a season of suffering. If you're not coming out of a season of suffering, you are going to enter into a season of suffering. And y'all just want to like stab me. I get it. So like get off the stage. We don't like that. Well, and it, it doesn't mean that what I've gone through is what you'll go through. But we have to understand that, that these seasons come. Just like we know that spring, summer, winter, fall come, we have to know that in our life, these things are coming. And so how do we prepare for it? What you tell yourself matters. What you believe matters. The questions that you have matter. The questions that you refuse to answer because they're too scary for you, that all matters. What you believe about God, what you believe are his promises, those things matter. And they matter now and uh, no matter what season you're in, right? They matter. And some of you are saying, oh, I'm already starting to feel that question come up that I've been trying to shove down for the last 12 years. Well, let it come up, okay? Because I'm going to tell you that... Um, you know, Amber was kind enough to say, you know, I had a faith with the Lord before my husband died. And I agree. I loved Jesus very much. And I still do. Oh, man, Jesus is everything. But on January 26, 2020, I was not prepared to find my husband not breathing. I was not prepared my faith did not soften the blow of me putting my hand on his chest and not feeling his chest rise, but not feeling a heartbeat. I was not prepared for the EMTs to tell me we've worked on him for 40 minutes and there was not a sign of life in him at all. I was not prepared because I was praying down and I was banging on the gates of heaven for that 40 minutes for his life. I was not prepared for my mom to have to pull me off of his body so I could finally take him. I was not prepared for them to put him in a black body bag and roll him out. I was not prepared. And I had a faith in Jesus. And so I want you to know that there is nothing you can do so much that can prepare you for some of that trauma. I don't want you to think like, oh, well, Kelly was like ready. And I was like, okay, so this is the next thing we're doing. No, not at all. There's no level of preparation, whether you're ill-equipped or as equipped as you possibly can. We, we all go through suffering. And so that's something else we need to recognize is that it will come whether we are prepared or whether we've done what we could or not. But there were things that God showed up. And I remember that moment when they rolled him out in a black body bag. I had just tried to kiss him, and he didn't kiss me back. I looked in his eyes, and he couldn't see me. They rolled him out, they zipped up the bag, and I turned and I looked at the police officer who had been there from the get-go. And I said, do you know who Jesus Christ is? And he said, yes, ma'am, I do. And I said, because he is the only way I'm going to get through this. I said, do you see what they just did? They rolled out the love of my life and the father to my four children. 
there is no way I'm going to endure this without Jesus, and he is the only way. And I said, who in your life are you telling about Jesus? Because there's nothing in this life that is going to get me through this. And I said, who in your life needs to know about Jesus? Who are you telling? Because the world needs to know about the only hope that exists. My mom was there. That's a miracle in itself because we were on a weekend getaway and she was like, man, if he didn't know Jesus, he was going to tell you he knew Jesus. Like, <laughs> she was like, she was like, I don't know where his relationship was, but he wasn't going to tell you nothing. Like, <laughs> and, and I, and I laughed because in that moment, I saw myself in this house and I had been all of a sudden stripped naked and I had been cut by machetes and I was vulnerable and the house I was in had blown up and yet in that moment I felt God hold my feet my feet were anchored to him and I felt as I was like just trying to make sense of what was going on I could feel the anchor hold do you know what an anchor's for so that when you go out in rough seas your boat can hold its position Jesus was my anchor and he was holding. And I could feel the hurricane. I had um, somebody tell me a couple days after Galen died, and I'd been very open on Facebook. I'm, I'm very um, open about my journey just because I don't know how not to be, so I apologize if that makes you feel weird. <laughs> I'm weird, so <laughs> um, we'll just be weird together. Um, and one of the things she said is she was like, you know, it's just so neat to see how God is keeping your head above the waves. And I looked at her and I was like, oh, my head is above the waves? Like, what ocean are you looking at? Like, because I'm like, I haven't seen a wave for about a week. Like, and I like I can say that laughing because it, I just was so astonished. that I was like, I am so sorry that I made you think I am still above the waves. Like, apparently I've not dropped the F word enough around you to let you know yet. I am not above the waves. Okay, like. Um, you know, the moment that Galen was taken out in a black body bag, somebody tied a rocket to my ankles and shot it off, and I was in the center of the earth in the depths of the ocean where we have yet to explore it because it's so deep. I was there. I was around the weird fish that mutate, you know, that you see on the Discovery Channel. Like, that was my companionship, okay? Okay. They had the lights showing up. That's where I was. And, th and I kindly told the lady, I said, I'm sorry, you seeing me above the waves, this is actually where I am. And I said, but I want you to know that God's keeping me alive there. And that's what I need you to know. Suffering is hard. If your worst fear comes to fruition, that is going to be hard. But it's not on you to get out of it. It's on God to get you through it. And I was just explaining to a friend the other day that when we go through hardship, when we go through the fire, we take our lies, we take our truths, we take our idols, we take our God. We all take them with us in the fire. And so while I don't believe that God sends us a, a fire as a moral teacher just to make us behave better, I believe in his kindness. He doesn't waste the pain of that fire. And our idols will burn in that fire. Those idols that say things like, God just wants me to be happy. Oh, man, if you can find that verse, I've been looking for it for about 
11 years. So if, if there's a verse or a lost book that hasn't been part of the Bible, I would love to know it because I need to go back to God and I need to cash out on that one, right? We take those beliefs into the fire with us. We say, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. We take that belief with us in the fire, and guess what? That one burns up pretty quickly, right? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Susan that sees the fire. It's like, I'm out, right? And we also take what we say about God in the fire with us, the things that are true, and um, we, we bring them into the fire with us. And so I kept saying things like, God, I know you are good. That's what your word says, but it does not feel like you are good. When I had to tell my four children that daddy wasn't coming home, that didn't feel good. And it didn't feel like you were good. But you are good. And so God, I need you to understand that you are holy and I'm not. And I get that all things, you know, whether you've planned it, ordained it, whatever, God, I don't get all that stuff. But I get that you are good. I get that's what your word says. But this is where I'm at, and I can't just magically get it. Like, I'm not that smart, right? Like, like I, I, don't, know how, I don't know how to just say this and, and mean it authentically. So, God, this is where I'm at. I'm in the pit of hell, but I believe you are a holy God. So you're going to have to fill in this chasm. And God said, that's all I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> exactly where I want you to be. You're right, Kelly. You're not supposed to know. If you had all the knowledge in the world, it still wouldn't allow you to believe me. You have to have faith and then you see. You don't see and then believe. So many of us are asking God, show me. I want to see. And he's saying, I need you to believe and then you'll see. Where is it in your life that you need to stop asking God for writings on the wall? doesn't work out real well, by the way, if you read that story in the Old Testament. So, Where is it you need to just say, I'm going to believe you at your word and I can't see it? Because once you do that, your faith will grow. You will get sight. Psalm 23 has always been an important passage of scripture for me. And I love verse 6, which hasn't become nearly as special to me as in the last 20 months. And it's surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The thing is, in that psalm, it talks about how, you know, um, God is the good shepherd, Jesus is the good shepherd, and he'll walk us through. And, you know, we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil because you are with me. But we have to turn around and see goodness and mercy following us. Where in your life is God saying, I'm not just asking you to have faith, I need you to go back and look in your life and say, where have I been faithful? That's your sight. Where did I provide and there was no other way? When did I give you an answer and you didn't know where it was going to come from? When did, when did I do something for you and, and I proved myself faithful? Because those are the things you need to say. And that's what I said so many times. I'm like, God, you were faithful here, here, and here, but I don't know how the heck you're going to get me through this. But I know you did it here, so I have, like, I have no other option. I'm either going to have to believe you or I'm going to be stuck. And so I'd rather jump and take the chance on you because you've been 100% so far. Where is it in your life God is asking that for you to remember the things in your life that he's been faithful with? Because that's when we go into winter, right? 
we eat the things that we've harvested, the things that we've planted and sown in faith. That's what we eat. So you need to go back to what are the faithful stories God has given me in my life already and where do I need to tell myself those stories again? Where do I need to share those stories with other people? Because that's what gives you the faith to go through the next trial. I remember I was, I mean, a lot of emotions, but I was angry and... I don't know that Amber may or may not remember this, but one of the things the day Galen died, I just said, I'm like, where are those four assurances of salvation floating down from heaven? My husband died. I, I'm not asking for a million dollars. I'm asking that my four children like have a, a secure salvation in the Lord. And I didn't even have that. There were no assurances with Galen's death other than um, it was going to be hard and I was going to have God to walk me through it. And so I I remember telling people, I still don't know what tomorrow holds. God didn't give me like, okay, so you've entered so much suffering, therefore I'm giving you a week's, you know, heads up. Because honestly, I didn't know if I was going to survive a week. I never wanted to be the testimony that you could live with a broken heart. I wanted to be the one that said that you actually die when you have a broken heart. I I desperately wanted that testimony. (laughs) Don't I sound encouraging? (laughs) Can I just say the fact that I'm laughing? Can that just be proof that God can do what only he can do? Can you recognize that? Laughter is such a gift when you felt no joy. Remember the first time I felt joy, true joy where I could smile, and it was probably like six months after, and I just thought, oh my gosh. I forgot how sweet joy is and what a gift it is. And I was thankful, and I'm like, God, even if it only lasts for 30 seconds, what a sweet 30 seconds it was. But I got to that point because for the previous six months, I didn't pretend I was okay. (laughs) Many of you in here have walked with me in this journey. You know I wasn't okay. Um, many of you, you know, uh, Amber jokes, you know, well, I don't know if she jokes, we joke about a lot of things that probably most of you find morbid, but, (laughs) but, you know, it's, I, are you really going to be okay? And, um, I just kept leaning into the honesty of how I felt. And I want to tell you, that's how you heal. We kind of have this notion in, in this country and in this culture that if we just, if we're just strong enough we'll get through it. If we just have more faith, we'll get through it. Um, If we just um, behave good enough, we'll be okay, right? And I just didn't have the energy for it. And truly, the way I got through, and I I don't even say want to get through because like I haven't gotten through my husband's death. And if I live to be 92, which Lord Jesus, please know, um, I am not interested. If that is your goal, I will pray for you. You can have my extra years, but I am not wanting to live that long. I want to be faithful for the years that God, that God gives me, but I'm praying not that long. Um, but I will always miss my husband. I will always miss him. But I have seen where God has replaced some of the true despair. And Amber, you saw me on day one. And you see me now, am I the same person? <laughs> that's because of, that's, that's what God can do. It's not because of what I can do. One of the things I hear a lot 
Kelly, you're so strong. And I'm just like, okay, there's a couple things I need to clarify with that. First of all, you don't get to suffer because you're strong. It's not the strong people that suffer. It's everyone that suffers. Secondly, I'm not strong. <laughs> okay. I'm not strong because what you see is Jesus. If you want to say anything, I've just fallen quickly into Jesus. I'm not interested in trying to hold myself for anybody. Um, I'm not interested in trying to put on a show that I am more, you know, that I'm, I'm capable of getting through these things on my own. I'm not. The way I've gotten through it is by saying, Jesus, you say in your word that you're good. You say in your word that you have a plan, but right now I'm, I'm not sure that I believe you. I believe your word, but I, I can't reconcile this. And so what I would do, I would go out. Um, I shared at my table that summer was my favorite month. And uh, last summer, uh, summer of 2020, was the worst summer because I had to go out in a time which I usually enjoyed brought me so much pain. Because I would used to see my husband working in the yard, babies with drool down their faces and poop hanging out of their diapers and, you know, like all the things the American dream is made of, you know. And um, I loved it. And it was like, how am I supposed to love this again? And so I would go out there and I'd say, God, I know you are my creator. I know you are above all things. I know you've created everything. Do you even care? And one of the things, I, I went out there, and I would just rail. I mean, rail and rage. It's a good thing I live in the country. And it's also a miracle that corn grew out of that field that year, as much as I, like, was cursing the ground. It's amazing that anything, I, like, afterwards I felt bad because it wasn't my field. It's like, oh, God, please, like, in, in your mercy, please bless a farmer. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm like, but if there are spots that, like, nothing grows, I apologize. That's on me. That was a bad day, okay? Um, I would go out there, and I would point my finger to the sky, and I said, you said that you will never leave me or forsake me. I feel forsaken. Because not only am I dealing with the, the death of my husband, now I'm dealing with it in COVID. Yeah, that's a whole nother level of grief, which, you know, we all experienced COVID, and that was for sure hard, but when you lose your your person in that, before that, that was excruciating. And I said, God, I feel forsaken. I do think you forgot me. And I'm saying this because I want you to act. I am so angry at you. And I would point my finger. I would get angry. I would shout. I would say things like, God, I know that when you were here as Jesus, I know that you lost your friend Lazarus. I know that you mourned, and I know what John 11.35 says. It says you wept. But no offense, God, you knew you were going to raise him. So how, how sad were you really? Yeah, right? How did I not get smited? Like, I, was, I mean, I, I was not holding back. I also kind of thought if I got smited, well, then that would be a good thing. So, like, <laughs> sorry, bad humor. Okay, so. But I heard God say, Kelly, I know you're hurting. I know your pain. I know you don't understand. And I'm not I'm not saying you need to understand, Kelly. 
but do trust me because I do love you. I love you so much. I love those four children more than you could ever imagine. I cried when Galen died because death is my enemy. And one of the cool things about the story of Lazarus, and God was bringing this back, and I was like, okay, too soon, God. But he was preaching to me. Raising Lazarus was the last miracle he would perform before he would go to the cross. Think about that. He saw what death had done. And yes, he rose, you know, raised Lazarus from the dead, but guess what? Lazarus was going to die again someday, right? And actually, when you look up the text of what it means when Jesus wept, it's equivalent to an angry bull snorting at an intruder in its pen. Now think about Jesus acting that way. That was the final straw for him, and he said, I, he, I can imagine his resolve to go to the cross was resolved that day. He knew the hard coming. He could imagine the crucifixion, and yet he said, I'm doing this because freedom from death and sin is what I'm here to defeat. I'd love to tell you that everything in your life is going to be great. The truth is that's not the story of the human condition. But one of the things I have held on to is that this life is not, is not everything. There is a life God has created and is going to bring down, and he's going to make all things new. Oh, gosh, that is so good. He's going to make all things new. He is going to redeem what the locusts have taken. He is going to finally vanquish Satan. Can I tell you, I'm, all get, I'm just going to claim the front row seat. If you all want front row, you better get there early. Because I'm gonna be well, I'm gonna be making popcorn for y'all. I'm gonna get a video camera out. I want to ha- be able to watch this in eternity for as much as I want. I hate the enemy, and there will be a day of reckoning, and God's justice will come down. And I get excited about that, and we should all have some excitement about that. We need to have an eternal mindset. This life isn't about creating Eden here. We've been wanting to do that since Adam and Eve left the garden. We want cute pictures. We want the perfect family, right? We want well-behaved kids. Enough suffering to say we have a faith, but not too much, that really interrupts our life. Oh, sorry. That was maybe a little rough. But God wants more than that. He's trying to say, have eternal eyes. The life that is coming in heaven will far outweigh what has happened here. And I'm telling you, I believe I stand here redeemed. I stand here and my ashes have been redeemed. And it's not because everything is made right in my life, but it's because in the life that's coming, it will all be made right. Do you believe me? It's the same for you. I want to build an eternal home now. And so I, I, when I look at heaven, it's, it's going to be full and complete worship of God. But we get to be there. We'll have relationships with people. We'll know people. And so what was taken here will be redeemed and restored there. And that's where I live. And we have to have that kingdom mindset. We have to have that eternal mindset because if we try and build our kingdom here, you know, as far as like making our our Eden here, we're going to 
continually be knocked down. Now we can we can build the kingdom of God here, right? We can encourage believers, but but kind of the retirement party is when we all go home, right? And so we need to have that mindset. We need to know what heaven is. We need to know what what the Bible says about heaven, right? Because those are the things that anchor us. When Galen died, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, um, became a very important verse to me, and it said this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, which, y'all, that meant my husband now. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I had this image that I was on this road, and I was battered and beaten, and this verse kept coming back to me, and I saw Galen cheering me on in the stands, and I saw Jesus before me saying, the work is finished, Kelly. I'm worth it. I'm here at the end of your race. I'm worth it. And then I felt the picture of the Holy Spirit kneeling down next to me as I was crumbled on this road, and he was comforting me. And then I had this picture of the Father God holding this whole entire race in his hands. You guys, you are held by God. You can trust yourself to walk through the hard things because you're not going to make it. God has you held in his hand. God has you held in his hand. And so you need to just fall into his strength. Stop trying to say, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Say, I'm not okay. I'm angry. I'm human. You gave me limitations. I need to sleep and I need to eat. And God in his kindness will give you the grace that you need so many times. I can't tell you how many times I walked out into the, those fields and that would happen and God would just give me this peace, which I'm like, I don't have answers. I don't all of a sudden understand the holiness of God. I just believe it. And so I had to ask God for his daily grace. And that's still where I'm at today. And I believe I'm able to laugh today because of, because of that willingness to be real about where I was. Before I close, I wanted to share something with you. The flowers on the table are from my garden. <laughs> yeah, you what? <laughs> oh, that's okay. They're big. They're kind of in your way. It's all right. Um, these flowers are from my garden. This garden was given to me as a gift for my birthday. It was two months after um, Galen passed away. And somebody came to me and said, I want to do something for you that your husband would love to do for you that's been a dream. And I'm like, well, I truthfully thought I need to just put it in a savings account because I'm like, I'm not entirely sure maybe, truthfully, how, how we'll eat. Galen didn't have life insurance. So after giving it a little bit of time and seeing that God had provided, which that's a whole other like, sermon, testimony, I decided to plant two 50-foot by seven garden beds. And I can't tell you the curse words that went into putting that thing together. <laughs> the, the compost, the dirt, 
the cow manure, which I will let you figure out what another word for cow manure is, all went into it. So these beautiful blooms came out of the ashes of my pain. This is my faith that I am believing. God will continue to bring beautiful things out of my ashes. He has to. He has to. He says he will, so he has to. And he can do it for you. With whatever you've gone through, he can do it for you. So, uh, I always have much more I could say, but I'm going to wrap it up there. I appreciate um, you guys listening, and I know that was probably hard. Now you need to laugh. You need to go watch some, like, you know, Office when you get home or something, so you need to laugh. But I'm praying that wherever you're holding this tension, that you would allow it to shape you and change you, because we have a hope that the secular, non-believing world doesn't have. We have Jesus. The end. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkymc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab. Thanks for listening.